Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Welcome, everybody, to the Real Thrills Podcast. I am Jay with Eric. How are you today, Eric? Fantastic. How are you? Awesome. Well, we, we're here on a month, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, so, you know, a little midweek action for this pod dropping. Hump day. Yeah, but uh, what we're doing is episode nine. We, we, we teased it last episode, and we are doing an OG film, Wes Craven, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1. Uh, yeah, miracle that this film was made. I think it got bounced around quite a bit, but it turned out to be probably one of the most infamous horror movies of all time. I don't think you can say Freddy Krueger and have someone not know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, this guy's pop culture, right? He was on MTV. They had TV shows. Yep. They franchised him, toys. I mean, I mean, look at your basement. <laughs> yes. I mean, no one can see this, but I am literally, uh, I have a Freddy Krueger pillow right next to me <laughs> that I'm using as support from a back that you do <laughs> yeah so uh yeah freddy krueger in my mind you know he he's on my pantheon of just like mount rushmore number one slasher i i did a podcast you listened yep. to it yep. uh it was during halloween and uh he was my number one draft pick he, he, he right out of the gates so i don't think there's anyone you might argue right i think you, you feel like more of a nightmare in, i mean a friday the 13th type guy but uh i don't know i think freddy as a as a character his depth who he is and how he goes into the dreamland, the nightmare scenario, something that is very relevant to a lot of people and just scares the shit out of you and can kill you. Yeah, I mean, I'll say as someone who uh, developed uh, sleep paralysis in my late teens um, that I definitely feel for everybody in this uh, in these movies who's like trying their hardest to wake up in the midst of what feels like a dream. So um, definitely uh, this is one that, that probably scares me more now than I ever did as a child. Um, yeah, I think I, I do agree. I think Freddy's probably my number two overall for favorite slasher. And I think the reason being that he started to get a little bit more goofy in the films. Um, I think the charisma factor and the fact that he's one of the only you know, horror villain icons that talks. It's like that kind of black comedy. Um, so I think that, that that is what I love about him. I think that to have that like a little piece of comedy in and still be a frightening, terrifying character is awesome. But I think I go with, you know, probably Jason Voorhees just because of that consistent, you know, silent but deadly kind of approach, which I think... Um, I, it just it just stays more consistent for me. But I I again it's not bad being number two in my book if you're Freddy Krueger. <laughs> right, We're splitting hairs here, I'm sure, and I'm sure other people can argue about uh, Michael Myers and Hellraiser, Pinhead. Pinhead like, yeah. There 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 are a lot. Candyman. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leatherface. It, it you know I mean there's so the many. Yeah, or Pennywise actually. Uh, sure. Of these characters, it's kind of just. Are transcendent and they just but this franchise as well as uh i think friday the 13th 
I don't know. They're both the most long going, like ongoing, right? Yeah, yeah. On, and, and to that point, sorry to cut you off, but no, no. there is a new Freddy movie coming out in 2021. Yep. Didn't even know about it until I started doing this, you know, research on this film. YouTube clip popped up, yep. and I'm like, wait a second. And I watched it. I was like, get out of here. Didn't like, they learn their lesson in 2009? <laughs> I don't know. It looks pretty good. The trailer. No, like, no, no. I'm, I'm excited hooked. for it. I'm excited for it. Well, yeah, 2009 uh, took a different turn, and I wasn't really ready for that. They really made Freddy out to be a really, really bad guy. <laughs> like, yeah, we, he we wasn't likable. We did the backstory, and he did not age well. And you know, now you're like, wow, we we know why he's he's a bad guy. Whereas in this first one, you, the story's still kind of a mi- like, still kind of like developing. Yeah, you're like, okay, well. Uh, can I, what was the evidence? Do you, have, do you have a witness? Like, what are we talking about? He, he, he murdered 20 children that you knew. You know, I, I, I think that there's a little bit of a mystery that, yeah, definitely unfolds. But I think originally Wes Craven did want to write that Freddy Krueger was a pedophile. Yep. And I think that they decided to change it a little bit because I don't know if they would just wouldn't allow them um, from like the MPAA or something. But it sounds like they decided to go a, a slightly different route so that maybe they made him more of a likable character to some degree. I think you kind of forget that he was a child killer as you watch the movie because he's he does become likable in the later movies. I think this one, the original, he's a little bit more intimidating, less less dialogue, but mm-hmm. I, he's got enough in there that you kind of get a sense that like, okay, if they keep going with this, it's going to be great. He's got the charisma. He's got it, yeah. He's, he's one of the most charismatic killers of... Which might be like, you know... It kind of makes sense with, you know, the Bundys of the world, you know, it's just like yep. that's that sort of like um, that that twisted evil kind of brain that is so likable to some degree, you know, that maybe that's how he lured his victims, you know. Yeah, And I always remembered like watching this back when I was a kid and, and just thinking about Elm Street and always seeing Elm Street's kind of. They're very popular name, right? Oh, yeah. I grew up on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. So it was, oh, jeez. No wonder you had some sleep paralysis problems. <laughs> All my friends hung out on Elm Street. We were <laughs> Elm Street punks. Yeah. So luckily for me, no, I was never around in Elm Street, never lived on <laughs> one. And so that was one thing that always kept me safe at night. <laughs> yep. So I was always like, well, at least I'm not on Elm Street. So I guess you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have the similar, uh, Stories growing up, I guess. <laughs> nope. But uh, yeah, let's let's get to it. Let's let's go right into uh, some movie notes, right, right off the top, like synopsis and yeah. the 1984 film Wes Craven, which is again, you know, maybe Jason was a better slasher, but there is nobody. I don't, I'm putting it out there better at horror than Wes Craven. Wes Craven reinvented horror twice. Twice. So, and that uh, an episode to come. You know, obviously, we'll we'll tease that again. Scream. It's it's one of for my generation, probably in yours and maybe some of the listeners. Like Scream's kind of where, yeah, Wes Craven was brought back to the forefront of us. But the same kids in '84 watching this saw that and was like, he did it again. Yeah, they're not like, oh, it's lame. I'm 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 sta- I'm staying true to my '80s roots. It's like, you know, it's like going back and like buying a Bon Jovi album in like 2001 and being like, I hope it's going to be as good as Slippery When Wet and it's not. Well, finally, this, they this had a it. they had a budget. 
you know, New Line, right? It was still New Line Cinema that did it, right? Yeah. So uh, one one kind of quick note about this movie is that um, it saved New Line Cinema. So New Line Cinema was on the verge of bankruptcy, and this film I think cost one point eight million dollars to make, and it made that back in the first weekend or week, and then ended up grossing what. Fifty-seven million. Fifty-seven million dollars. So, um, they I think commonly referred to it as the house that Freddie built. So the fact that New Line Cinema picked this up after it floated around for I think three years, um, is really amazing, and I'm glad that it paid off for them because they took a chance on a movie that I think if you read the script you'd be like, this sounds terrifying, but also I don't know how it's gonna play on an, on a movie, you know? Yeah, and if you watch the movie, you know, in the in the in the from the lens of 1984, because we watched it recently. I saw it last night. You saw it today? Yeah, I watched it today. So if you're watching it through that lens, but you're still watching it today, it holds up 100%. Yeah. Um, we'll get into the last scene. Is the only scene that I thought was just like, whoa, I guess they ran out of money. Yep. So uh, we'll get into that later. But I guess my point is, at a $1.8 million budget, the way they developed the dream sequences... Just the 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 way it was written. I mean, the performances. Uh, we'll get into it. Johnny Depp's debut movie, right? Yeah, debut of Johnny Depp. Um, I think I read that uh, Johnny Depp was chosen for this role because Wes Craven's daughter thought he was dreamy. So, hey, doesn't doesn't uh? Well, he was hurt, doesn't hurt to be a good looking dude. Um, and I just want to say that what six years later. Johnny Depp went on to have his own uh, knife hands yeah. uh, in the Edward Scissor hands. So definitely um, maybe that was what got him the role. Who knows? Yeah, right. <laughs> if you're Tim Burton, you're like, I'm going back. And if I can't get Robert England, who else can I get from that movie? Right. <laughs> Johnny Depp's free. <laughs> and Edward Scissor hands, phenomenal movie. Yeah. We're not going to do that one on here. No. But. Not much of a horror. Just, just dark comedy. Um, it was kind of scary seeing... Um, uh, what's his name? Michael Hall. Michael uh, Michael, Michael C. Hall. C. Hall. Yeah, Michael C. Hall. Uh, it was kind of scary watching him look like he was all roided up. But other than that, yeah, not a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, my brother was like, "Yeah, that's the kid from uh, Breakfast Club." I was like, "No way." He was like, "No, no, it's him." I'm like, <laughs> "I I don't see it." And then uh, and then you know, as you look at his face a little bit more, you're like, "Oh my gosh, he's like I don't know, twice the size." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's kind of all our notes, but we're going to go right into Springwood, right? <laughs> yeah. We're there. Yeah. So, uh, opening scene. Yeah. So opening scene, um, it, it kind of happens quick. You, you see this, uh, set of dirty hands and what looks like, um, I don't know what this factory is, but it looks like they produce steam. <laughs> I don't know. Boiler room, right? Boiler that, room. You know, he, he was, you know, well, I mean, we don't know that, right? But right. as we know, Freddie, if you know the genre, if you know the uh, franchise, he was a maintenance worker at what, like an elementary school of some sort. Yep. And he was the he worked in the boiler room. So he's down there, and you see the you just see a set of hands and basically creating this glove with these knives for fingers on it, and then it, boom! Title title sequence. Um, title credit and then we're yeah we start seeing the names pop up and and all and all that jazz and it's just i thought my tv was broken for a second because it's been a while and it was like a not even a widescreen it was a very small box up at the top of your screen and you're like 
is my TV broke or is this movie that old? Am I and, in uh, four by three or sixteen nine? Yeah, I was, <laughs> you know, we're getting all technical nerdy on it, but I was just like, something's not right. But no, no, it, it, hey, don't be fooled, guys. When you rewatch it, 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 it's right, and it's so industrious and technical with how he's making this glove yep. and what as a as as just a viewer for the first time, if you're seeing it, you're just like super intrigued of what is going on, and then you see it right. He, he kind of flashes it with his fingers and you see the knives and you're just like, what is that going to be used for? Yeah. I'm all in. I mean, obviously there's trailers and whatever, you know, but you're just like, that's the scene. Like, they're how, just, yeah, it's like how at that point in time, like I can imagine what it was like to like birth a new horror villain, you know, at this point, again, you've got Leatherface already. You've got Jason Voorhees. You've got Michael, Michael Myers. Myers and then boom, like you're creating a new horror villain based off some hobo that you saw standing, you know, in front of your window one time back when you were a kid and Wes Craven creates this fedora sweater wearing right burn victim and uh, you're ag- terrified. Uh, again, uh, uh, like what I mentioned in the beginning of the pod here is that uh his his charisma and the way that he is dressed to his sweater to the fedora to the glove to the way he talks and his charismatic all the way through where you never saw that right to this point yeah. and then it kind of catapulted you know now you're gonna have more of this type leprechaun pinhead had a voice like all these other people started coming afterwards but think about it michael myers was before yep. leatherface and jason Voorhees. none of them said a f- fucking word in any of their movies not one. So Wes Craven said, "Nah, I'm gonna rip the, you know, I'm gonna rip the can open here and just be like, I, I'm, I'm gonna have him talk, and he's gonna be interesting, and you're, and you're captivated, and you're, you're kind of rooting for him more than any other. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, I, I'm rooting for him. Something like, where's the next scene I'm gonna see him? It's like a, like a." NBA or a NFL game or something. I was like, I just want to see that guy keep going. Like, you know, keep going. Yeah, and I think the the dialogue scenes are important from the killer perspective. I think, like, going back to Scream, it's like, okay, well, the dialogue is what kept you scared the whole movie. Like, the fact that when Ghostface finally came out and, like, kind of comically chased someone around in a room slicing at them for 10 minutes each kill sequence. Like, I think that wasn't as scary as just like the buildup of dialogue and the phone ringing. And like, that was, that's every person's nightmare. Like that was like, you know, the, the phone ringing all of a sudden in the middle of the night or something. There's a creepy voice behind it. You're home alone. Like the phone rings, like, you know, it kind of opened the door to be like, no, 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 I'm going to start talking to you and get you more scared or, or like really like, engage with you before i kill you like like, i'm i'm looking to frighten you and i'm gonna start talking to you and like you're not gonna get away you know like he he was really like egging him on and like you know and if if i'm a horror villain like if i'm jason Voorhees and i've got like all these special powers and i can chop people's heads off like i'm gonna be like boom motherfucker every time i slice someone's head off right like (laughs) or you gonna die tonight yeah (laughs) how it would be amazing if that was (laughs) if that's you know that's a whole different movie there but uh for sure because you flip the script because previously all of the the best dialogue came from the final girl or the people that were being murdered like that was where all the best dialogue came from like you know that's that's where all those like main lines were like 
not again today, you know, like, yeah. you know, and like that was like always the final sequence. So like to have Freddie sort of have those lines of dialogue was sort of like a good comeback to, well, now there's going to be like a disagreement, <laughs> verbal disagreement, and also you're going to die. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, what we're getting kind of into, what we've already alluded to with his charisma, I mean, later on in the franchise, uh, Wes Craven does it again the seventh installment, the new nightmare mm. and how popular Freddie got and how he was yeah. like, Oh, talk shows. And like, even at Heather Langenkamp was kind of like super meta film. It's, it's great. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, but it just goes to show you that Wes Craven then made an even joke on top of a joke, but it was still scary as all hell. And then created scream, which was basically just going back and, paying homage to his own films in some in some way like how you make a sequel how the movie how, what are the rules in movies you know it's like yeah no for so. sure so you talked about the glove getting made uh and then and then right after that i i like the sequence where then you're right into tina's dream and you you mentioned this in our in our uh show notes that uh that was kind of an homage to alfred hitchcock right you, you see this girl tina who yep. you, now you're like, all right, now I'm gauged, and we're in this creepy hallway. It's wet. It's there's it's steam kinda... everywhere, and and first of all, it's like Tina's got quite the Karen cut. Let's just say it. Yeah. Like it's a very '80s Karen cut. Um, so they they made her look a lot older than a teenager, which she's supposed to play in this movie. And uh, can we get a plumber in that place? Like there. <laughs> Yeah. Every, every pipe is leaking. It's a, it's a nightmare. Ever since they killed, it is a nightmare. Ever since they killed Freddy Krueger, like no one's there to fix the pipes. So yeah. here we are. Not in his dream. <laughs> so we go right into a dream sequence. Tina, uh, like I said, I, I I I mentioned it was kind of this homage to Alfred Hitchcock, like you mentioned, because um, because they what, body what swap. We, yeah, yeah. So because in Psycho, you know, you you start out and you've got the one character that you think is going to be the the main character, and then. They're dead, and we flip it to a different girl that now becomes the... We move on to Nancy, who is now our focal point in the movie. She's our main character once Tina, you know, once Tina's gone. Yeah, and like I said, so in this scene, you're going through this whole scenario, a couple, you know, maybe two minutes of a dream sequence. Uh, you got the scratching of the metal versus the, the knives across metal. You have the synthesizer going. We'll get into that, everybody. Uh, so there, there's just so much happening that you're kind of like, I'm locked in. Like I see out the glove. That's what's that all about? Then you're right into a dream sequence. It gets goes down a scary path, and then she wakes up, and then it's just like, all right, kicks off the movie, and let's let's start developing the character. And she also she what she she wakes herself up by screaming, and then the mom comes in, and. Um, you're like, okay, she just was having a dream. And then the mom kind of points out that she has torn her nightie. There's, there's four slashes in like the midsection of her nightie um, that clearly you're like, whoa, what happened here? Um, she was in a dream and she woke up and her nightie's all slit. So you're like, okay. And then the mom says something stupid like, <laughs> she's like, you need to either cut your nails or stop having nightmares. One or the other. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll get into that as we go, but the parents in the in the in this franchise are the worst. Yeah. Like it, it really depicts them as being the worst people in the world. So we'll get into all that. 
But what was funny also about that scene, I, I couldn't get away from the line the boyfriend, I guess, had when he's like, you coming back to the sack or what? Right in front of the daughter. It was just like, <laughs> and he's wearing this like wife beater and he's like super sleazy and sle- it's just yeah. like, what was that? Like, what? A, there's the 80s for you right there. I was like, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, come back to bed so I can bang you. Or I don't know. It was just like, what is going on? Talk about nightmares. <laughs> yep. So uh, let's get to the drop when shit gets yeah. real. Uh, I got a couple candidates here, but uh, I'll start with the the sleepover. So... Like any teenagers, right? It's they're in high school. Uh, Tina's mom's out of town. She wants to have some friends over, um, but for a reason. Yeah, because she's scared. She's scared. She's scared. On top of everything, and she just wants to got to be with her friends or whatever. And uh, you got Nancy. You got Glenn. Right. Yep, Glenn. Uh, Rod. Rod shows up a little bit later. It's a great name for him because he's like the dick joke king in this movie. Yes. And uh, and and then Tina. And what I liked about the scene and where I thought the drop was, they, Tina started talking about why she's scared and starts talking about her dreams and who's in her dreams and this guy with a dirty sweater and a hat and he's got these knives. For, and they start comparing notes and they're like, oh my God, I have the same fucking dream. And then to me, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa shit's getting real. And then Glenn, you could see getting kind of nervous because you could see that he's having the dreams. And then later on, Rod kind of assumes that he's having dreams too. So it's kind of like, oh, you're all fucked. Yep. And uh, I thought that was the drop. Um, I'm going with basically the same the same sequence, but um, this is right after um, Rod and Tina decide to go up to the bedroom and they bone it out loudly while... Um, yeah, pretty aggressive. Yeah, while poor uh, Johnny Depp's character is sitting there um, after he got turned turned down by Nancy. Yeah. He's sitting there all blue balled Smart. up. Smart, remember. We, we learned that in Scream. Yep. Can't it's, have it's, sex. Can't have sex. Because what happens to Tina, we'll, we'll find out in a minute. But yes. um, she falls asleep after this um, marathon banging that they have. And... She finds herself back inside the dream where she's running away from sweater fedora man. And the drop for me is that when you first see Freddy actually in the dream and at first you just see this kind of like uh, Michael Jackson-esque like thriller kind of move down <laughs> down yeah. this, this alleyway. And then the arms start extending like fucking Stretch Armstrong and they're scraping both sides of the wall as they go. And you're like, this is creepy because now it's not just this person that's in your dreams it's some f- sort of fucking morphing like knife hand crazy yeah mf you know um so i think you can say it okay motherfucker yeah it's okay the um, kids are all, asleep yeah well they're dead actually the kids are dead in this movie <laughs> freddy krueger <laughs> or they're about to die <laughs> um yeah so so i think uh you finally see him back it's not it wasn't a one-off it wasn't that she had a dream about him one night and he's just there to creep you out now he's actually chasing her down and he's in the dream after they talked about it and then that's at the 15 minute point and then um i think we can go right into our next segment which is hold on i I do have a honorable mention uh in the drop category which is way later in the movie which really sets the franchise off 
Uh, I think it's like 25, maybe 25 minutes left in the film. Um, Marge, who's Nancy's uh, mother. If you can call her that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drunk as a skunk starts explaining to her who Freddy Cougar is and how she knows him. Uh, so the story goes that uh, Freddy Krueger was a maintenance person at a school. Well, you know, I don't know if you find I don't, that out. Yeah, in this I movie. guess I guess you don't know that yet. Just I know just that because a Fred Krueger is a nasty child murderer that yeah. killed twenty kids and got away with it basically because of a, a a glitch at the DA's office with a search warrant. Yep, basically. So okay. what the parents did on Elm Street is uh, went over to his house and burned him alive. They no, they found him in the 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 boiler room that he would bring the kids to. I don't. They don't really. Is that in his house? Not in his house. I guess not. I they guess don't really so. specify where it is. It must be where he worked. But he he had this special boiler room that he would bring all his victims to. Yeah. So they found him there, and then they basically threw gasoline and like made a trail out the door, and then set him on fire and watched the whole thing burn down. So. Nancy's mom is now explaining to her, I understand why you're having these nightmares. It's because of what we did. Yep. And now Freddy's here to get back at, not messing with the parents, but fucking with the kids. kids. And the parents have no power, but they, and that's where I'm, we, we are leaning heavily into these parents fucking suck. Not only, you know, I mean, Freddy's, Freddy's a bad guy, right? He, he was doing bad things, but they go and do this thing. And now he's the here coming back to haunt their kids, and now all the kids, those kids are getting killed. They're doomed. Yeah. So to me, that drop is just like, well, here we go. Here comes the franchise. Let's start rolling out ten more films. Definitely. So because now you're you're endless. You at know this the point. story. It's not so just to me some that, weird thing. That's the drop of the franchise. You're just like, well, here we go. Like this 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 has got legs. Agreed. So that's kind of my honorable mention there. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the. Uh, segment number three, the favorite death scene. Yeah, so we're going two minutes after the my, my drop, um, where Freddie's chasing Tina, and then we we land back in the bedroom where Rod is sleeping in the bed still, and we get the, I think probably one of the greatest um, death scenes of all time. I'm just I'm just gonna say yeah. it. I think it's one of the best. I Not think only artistically speaking, right? Exactly. I mean, oh my, like. You mentioned homage at the yep. at the front with the what movie? Um, the Fred Astaire. Oh, oh yeah. So um, they they used uh, from the the film The Royal Wedding um, with Fred Astaire. There's a a very similar scene, not in the terms of death, but um, of basically this this room that they created by um, pinning everything down, nailing everything down, and then rotating the room itself so it looked like it was upside down or whatever. And it has Fred Astaire basically is, is dancing across the room, and then he starts climbing up the side of the walls and then up on the ceiling, uh, like a dancing on the ceiling. Yep. Lionel Richie, I guess. Well, yep. <laughs> um, so it, it, it kind of... It, the. I think the, like the juxtaposition of like how that scene was created, this beautiful like s- singing scene of this classic movie, and they used basically the same concept to create one of the most frightening kill scenes again. I think of all time because I think what's scary about it is it's not just someone there with a knife stabbing her. Like you're talking about this this person who's like starts 
climbing up the wall into the ceiling and is just rolling around and writhing in pain and you just start seeing blood happening and slashes are happening. You don't see the actual murder happening, but you're like, what the fuck is going on? And you've got Rod sitting in the corner yeah. of the room with his arms stretched out going, no. <laughs> yeah, and it, and what's happening here is like, as in Rod's point of view and you as the viewer, you don't see Freddy because Freddy's in the dream. He's in the dream. So all you see is teenage getting tossed around like a sack of potatoes <laughs> and getting sliced open and blood everywhere. And then just fall, that the scene where she just falls right onto the bed just and then just splatter all yeah. over the place and i'm just like whoa and i was like to me i made the note like that was the first death of this franchise and it was just like i don't know it was is there a better one you mentioned one of the top death scenes of all it's time be. i mean it's 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 amazing and I, they did they did use that um that room to do glenn's death as well because you see um again it's like the homage to the shining with the um hallway full of blood is that the room uh his the bed swallows him and then there's blood that's a water bed yeah. yeah um blood's just shooting up um to the ceiling which is actually just a reverse shot but there's and it's just like gallons and gallons of, of blood that are just flowing out of this bed and then the room is shifting around you see the blood sort of like shifting across the floor which is the ceiling and so it's just um it's it's a great it's a great thing and uh, being a super low budget movie i think they they did such a great job with yeah. some of the shots on this that it's pretty amazing that i think that it 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 lent to like the ingenuity of them creating some of these great shots is that they didn't have the money to yeah. do something better than that. So like you can't have a bunch of special effects where you're trying to like show that someone's getting stabbed or it's just like having her rolling around and uh, she sounds like the grape lady. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You never watch that YouTube video? It's like from, from a news clip where these two women are basically like they're stomping grapes for this uh. news segment and she falls and like lands on her collarbone and she's like, ah, uh, ah, uh. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, uh. that's basically <laughs> what Tina's doing the whole time. So yeah. I'm watching this, just thinking like grape lady, and then all the blood flies around. So I'm like grape, grape lady. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but yeah, obviously I'm I'm going on that vote, Tina. Best death sequence, I think. It's like amazing. It's, it, even if you don't go back and watch this movie, like at least YouTube the clip of of Nan of Tina's death because it's amazing. Yeah, and then go back and watch that uh Fred Astaire movie too and compare your compare your notes. Just <laughs> yeah, like, it, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, just look it up uh from I think it's called the Royal Wedding. And it's it's a really cool scene. I watched them back to back because I was like I really want to see It's classic. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a classic it's a scene, scene and then Wes is like, yeah, let's just make it into a horror movie and a death. For my first death. Like yeah. he he just pulled out all the stops. And I was just like, whoa, here we go. It'd be like taking a clip from like Mary Poppins and like having the murderer start stabbing someone with an umbrella and pushing him down a chimney or something like yeah. that. It's like the same thing, which is yeah. awesome, which I hope someone does. Yeah, actually, you know, maybe we're on to something. <laughs> you know, this podcast will develop a film at some point. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> we have a lot of ideas and uh, you, all you got to do is throw it into one, you know, because like, that's that's what we're doing now. Uh, so... Oh, so this segment's going to probably be full of some uh, dingers, right? So, well, <laughs> that was dumb. And I'm just going to come right at it. Every character in the dream sequence, you can just say, well, that was dumb. Why are you chasing after that sound? 
Where where are you going, Nancy? Tina, stop. Go go back in your house. Don't go outside. Why is everyone so compelled to go find Freddy? <laughs> they don't even know what they're doing, but they, they can't control themselves to go find that sound, right? I agree. I think it's like uh, it goes back to an old Mitch Hedberg joke. Um if I'm in a dream, I'm gonna be uh, fixing a go kart with my ex landlord. Like I'm, I'm somewhere like, <laughs> I'm somewhere in, ma- in magical fun time. I'm not, I'm, I'm not searching for like this dude yeah. with these long. What's that? What's that screeching fingers? sound? I, I'm gonna go investigate that, dude. You're in a nightmare. Like yeah, because don't. All right, think about a dream. Maybe maybe everyone's different than me, but think about a dream. Like you can't run. You suck at running. You can't throw a punch. You're just you're weak somehow. You can't do anything. Like you're fucking useless in your dream and yeah. you're going to go try to like battle someone? Come on. Do you have like, a recurring dream or a nightmare that's kind of like well, that sucked. Like do you have have any of those? I have a lot of like zombie ones, honestly. Holy shit. Where it's like I'm always having to go to a roof and then uh wait for say it, it happens. I get it. I wouldn't say all the time, but for some reason like the recurring one I have is sort of like a Dawn of the Dead esque. Like I'm in a mall or something and I'm climbing to the roof. So that that one comes up quite a bit. Wow. Uh, yeah. So mine mine is uh, n- not as cool. Uh, uh, I like to play golf and and uh, it's funny. I, I I share this with my father in law, where um I'm on the tee box and I I put a, a tee and a ball up and I probably adjust my stance. And can't get comfortable over and over <laughs> and over and over. Just knowing in my mind that I'm going to have a shank, a terrible shot. <laughs> I just, and I'm competing in this event or there's people watching. It's, and it's just golf. I'm like, but it's driving me insane of how uncomfortable I feel, which to me is a nightmare. And, <laughs> Uh, I have another one where it's it takes me back to college or high school where I'm always like thinking I need to get this paper in on time and I keep reminding myself you're 39 years old yeah. college is way behind you man don't even worry these are all psychological things dreams are very info you know you know there's there's information there for you um so I don't want to get down that tangent, but it's just like those are my reoccurring nightmares, and they happen a couple times a year. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, uh, you kind of as as I was picturing you getting set up for a tea. It was like hopefully this reference makes sense to somebody out there. But like Art Carney from the Honeymooners, like just like all right, here we go, here we go, <laughs> yeah. all right, Ralphie boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. And I keep moving my stance and moving the T and everyone's just watching me and I'm just... It, and then finally Ralph's like, whoa, you swing. Yes. It, yeah, it's literally that. So uh, repetitive over and over. So any... Okay, another very specific one and we alluded to it already. Uh, don't fornicate in your mother's bed. That's yeah, kind of dumb. Gross too. You don't know how when she last washed those sheets? Tina's mom. It was the night before with her boyfriend. Like, let's get back to the sack. I mean, and they had, they went to Vegas right after. You think that the loving was that good that they went to go get married? Vegas, and they're somewhere in the Midwest, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Right so Springwood. I think they're in Springwood. I don't know that. I think they're in Springwood, Illinois. Yeah. So man, Vegas, pretty big, pretty big trip. For Tina's mom. 
I think they're gonna get hitched. I think. You they, hear, oh, you're right. Yeah, that makes sense. Boyfriend, because she's like, oh, our, um, the mom's away with her boyfriend in Vegas right now. I think they're going to get hitched. And then she comes back, and her daughter's murdered. Do we ever see? We never see her come back. Maybe she's like, yeah. ah, fuck it, I'll stay out here. Probably. <laughs> Became a showgirl. Got the glamorous life here. Yeah. Anyway. So what else do I got? Uh, yeah, a- any dream sequence. Uh, don't go investigate loud noises. Um, uh, don't fall asleep in the bath. I mean, that's kind of a big disclaimer there, right? <laughs> yep. Is there anything else? I got like a hundred. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Right. Yeah, probably more specific nightmares or uh, uh, dream sequences. I'm sure. Um, mine are just random things throughout the movie that I th- I found interesting. Some they might be more funny. Some of them are dumb things. But uh, number one, um, nobody knows how to stop a cassette, so they're playing the sound oh, yeah. effect of an airport, um, so that it sounds like Glenn is at his cousin's house instead of staying at Tina's house, and so he's playing it over the phone, and then all of a sudden, like Rod spliced in like a car accident and like people screaming and stuff, which is hilarious. It's like a, great a chainsaw. Scene. <laughs> um, but they're all sitting there like swatting at it like a fucking cat. Like they're like, just press the stop button. It's a tape. What are we doing? Yeah. So anyway, that's one. Um, Rod not helping Tina while Tina's flying around in the air. He's like sitting there and he's like, no, Tina. Oh. Yeah. And then he says something like, um, who did this? Um, after Tina's like falls down, splashes her blood everywhere, and she's dead. Who did this? I'm like, oh, now you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. now someone, yeah. now someone got some bass in his voice. Like, <laughs> come on, like you were sitting there not doing a fucking thing while your well, girlfriend was f- flying around in the air. What I think he's probably doing that scene is probably trying to communicate. It wasn't me. <laughs> you yeah. know, like. Oh my goodness, what happened to you, Tina? (laughs) (laughs) Who did this? (laughs) Who could it be? Not me. I'm out of (laughs) here. Nancy's parents ganging up on her after her fucking best friend just died. So they're like, they're like, oh my God, Nancy, you're the one at the house. You're the girl that that survived. Well, why were you sleeping over with a boy? You know, and it's like, really? That's your focus right now? And then the mom comes, it's kind of the same thing. Well, you shouldn't be hanging out with those people. It's like, her best friend just died. More of why these parents suck. I mean, what the fuck are you doing here? This is the lecture you're going to give? Yeah. Um, Let's see. Um, I'll just. Uh, one funny observation I had is uh, Tina's couch is like this really loud kind of blue weird printed couch um, and slightly later this kid Jonathan gets up to read uh, in English class and looks like he's wearing a shirt that was a print from the couch match them up I don't know if they're exact but match them up they're wow. pretty close <laughs> it kind of oh. reminded me of like a little garden state you know like <laughs> oh, fun, the curtains left fun, over fabric fun trivia fact here the teacher Lynn Shea who is married to Robert Shea, who's the producer of this film, very good friends with Wes Craven. This was not her debut. She's in a ton of movies, right? But if you want to know who Lynn Shea is, she became this, like, horror movie, not a scream queen, but, like, grandma. Like, just, she's in Insidious, Ouija, a hundred others. She was in... Tons of comedy, too. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber. A Dumb and Dumber, uh, something about Mary, I think. Yeah. Um, 
She's in Kingpin. Uh, but as soon ones. as I saw her as a teacher, I'm just like, holy shit, it's Lynn yep. Shay. Yep, definitely. So anyway, great, great, uh, great uh, classroom sequence. Uh, you know, that's a, that's an homage to my brother because my brother is a big uh, Lynn Shay fan. Yeah, she's so, great. There you go, Joe. Um, I love the scene where uh, in the beginning where Tina pulls off Freddy's face to expose his like skeleton, and it comes off like like a hot piece of cheese on a pizza. <laughs> it just like yeah. slides off. There's like because no isn't that what they were trying to like mimic? You know, like his face is like a like a pepperoni pizza. Yeah, it's just like that's that, that's a good one. That um, was, yeah, that was their uh, their um, their muse for his face. <laughs> Uh, Rod, why are you carrying around a switchblade with you after you're being you were accused of murder? <laughs> like yeah. you're on the run and you're still walking around with a split switchblade on you. That's yeah, dumb. that was dumb. Um, I love the scene where Nancy says, "Oh my God, I look 20 years old." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, really?" She was probably what 26 at the time. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so funny that like she plays like 17. She's like, "Oh my God, I look 20." Like it's a terrible thing. I'm like, God. Well, she's like drinking coffee and like got gray hair because she's staying up. And yeah. Um, I also want to just mention real quick. I feel like this isn't to be derogatory by any means, but Nancy, I feel like she may have invented resting bitch face. She's got this snarl on her the whole movie. That just there's a scene where I think it flashes to her um, at um, I think it's Rod's funeral. And she just has this like look on her face. It's like so snarly, and I love it. It's just like it's the it's this great look where she always looks miserable. Yes, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, she's probably tired because she hasn't slept in a week. But um, I'm gonna say the RBF uh, maybe yes. maybe invented. Hundred <laughs> percent. You're right. All right, I got a couple more. Um, sleeping. This is just gross to me, but sleeping in bed next to a nightstand where you have a glass of warm milk. Oh. <laughs> she says gross, but then you see her sleeping in there. <laughs> it's like right next to her bed. Yeah. I'm like smelling that all night. Oh, I was like, can you even do that with milk? Jesus. Not, not for me. <laughs> no. Um, uh, I also love the scene where uh, they're going to clean up after Glenn and they were running in with a stretcher and the detective's like... I'm like, whoa. Um, and then uh, when it shows Tina's dead body on the news, <laughs> so they're watching the news and na- this just happens and it's like, last night, this blah, 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 breaking news. And it just shows like her arm hanging out of a bag as they're like wheeling her. I'm like, they wouldn't show that on the news. It's like, <laughs> not even in the 80s. I'm sorry. Um, a palm tree in Illinois. Yes, I noticed that on that bridge scene where they're yeah. eating burgers. Um, yeah, I, I have that down on my notes. Like, uh, where are we again? Total, total, and that's like a reservoir, like a canal in like L.A., isn't it? Yep. <laughs> so, um, and sorry, my last two. Um, sleeping with a CRT television on your lap. <laughs> Like what, no one has a, a a regular like nightstand or something like um, between Nancy and Glenn, they both have like a, a tube television either sitting like on their bed or on a chair or something. When that just got, seems it, dangerous anyway, right? That's he's got he's got headphones in listening to his his turntable. He's got um he's got the CRT resting on his lap. Like 
And what did he tell his mom that he was uh, waiting up to see? The Miss America? Miss America pageant. And she's, she's like, well, how are you going to hear what she's going to have to say? He's like, I don't care what she I has don't care to, say. What to say. Way to go, Johnny. Uh, Johnny Depp. Yep. <laughs> great, great line. <laughs> uh, and the last, my last one that is dumb is when the very end of the movie, when Freddie pulls Marge into the house through the front door window. Yeah. It's basically a fucking blow up doll. Yeah. It's such a, it's like, I know the budget was tight. Would here, they but run out? They literally ran out. Just don't do it. Like, it, it looks so bad. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll, we'll get into that in alternate editing. It was just like, what the fuck was that? You don't need to slow that down. It just looks bad in real time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, more of the the comedy aspect, I guess. I don't know. It was super cheesy. When yeah. the rest of the film was like super artistic and well done, and then you had this really weird ending. It's like, yeah, like the last two minutes of the movie, and yeah, we, we will talk about it. The last two minutes of the movie are like, what? Um, let's hope for a number two. <laughs> Which... Well, they gave us a number two in the last two minutes, but... And it was not? and it was a number two. <laughs> <laughs> number two was a number two. <laughs> yes, number two was a number two. But uh, uh, more more 80s. There were, there was some good... That was more of the cultish one, right? Two was super cult. Yeah. Like, yeah. this genre was already pretty... Uh, or this franchise was already pretty good. Uh, but two lives in a world where it's kind of more culty. Kind of like six, I think. Yeah. Six is also pretty culty. I, honestly, I think five was one of my favorites in the franchise. Yeah. Um, Dream Child, right? Yep. Yeah. I don't know why it's just it's 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 one of the creepier ones to me. You got that kid with the big dark circles under his eyes. Like I I don't know. He was in Full House. He played Duckface. I think it's the same kid. <laughs> three, four, yeah, three, four, and five. I thought really was like all right. You could you you could have could have stopped there. Um, I think four is always the uh, one people forget. Um, it's like I think. There was a four? I thought they just skipped a five. Well, it's it's kind of like, I think it's part six of Friday the 13th. Is part that the five one? with Roy. No, not five. I, I, well, I own five. That's why five was kind of like a a mainstay in my house. One yeah. of my brother, like, it was one of our favorites because it was like super like 80s and like a little gothic, yeah. a little, and um, punkish goth. Like he had the girl and she was like a robot dancer, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, no, six was with Corey Feldman, right? It kind of went like, "Well, where are we going with this?" Well, no, f well, four had the young Corey Feldman, but six was six to me was the comeback film. Like five. Oh, then maybe I'm thinking four with felt. It was kind of like, "Wait, what just happened? Where are we again?" Like four was like when that you, hidden. When you one. go to Tommy Jar the Tommy Jarvis house, and then their secondary home. Yeah. On this, yeah. It was uh, kind of like what what just happened, you know, like, and then and then five comes back, and then yeah, six. you're kind of like, who are these people we're following? Because you're yeah. like, I, I was at a camp last year you know where, yeah. where am i now yeah yeah i hear you anyway um totally lost track um we were probably gonna go into the that they ain't never gonna be right yes uh they ain't never gonna be right um where do you, do you want to go first yeah or? i was just gonna say um kind of a tough one because you again the end kind of leaves you with a lot of questions like what actually transpired here yeah um but i think ultimately if you assume that nancy wakes up from her dream and she's never going to shake freddy krueger that 
Nancy is the, they ain't never going to be right because she's really the only one that potentially all of her friends survived out of her friends and her mom. And she thinks that she's finally figured out the way to shake Freddie and he's right back. She falls back asleep. He's right back there. So he's always going to be haunting her. So to me, that's the, they ain't never going to be right. Goes to Nancy. Right. And for me, it's kind of more of a very catch all uh, situation where, the kids of the parents that burned Freddy Krueger alive, or to, burned him to death, whatever. Alive to death, whatever. <laughs> they burned them to life. Yes, and uh, all their kids are fucked. So I'm like, they, they, those kids of those parents, of something that they did that have the kids have no control over, like, way to fuck us over, which yeah. is a very big, like, underbelly of like society <laughs> you know yeah. of, of how all kids probably really feel about fucking the generations over well this is just another layer of that in this horror movie genre that it's just like wait a second so i'm getting murdered in my dreams because of your fuck-ups like what the hell yeah it's kind of like uh excuse me um mr thompson uh free britney <laughs> <laughs> so to me it's 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 literally all the kids. Uh, how many movies were there? Nine. And going, but yeah, it, all of them. Like, sorry, yeah. like I, I don't even. That's why it's funny. It's like a new movie's coming out. I was like, are they still on Elm Street? Like, are these parents still alive? Like, we're, we're, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Freddie, how long can you hold a grudge? Seriously, come on. <laughs> it's like now the kids are having kids. I, 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 I don't know how it, it, it made a lot more sense in the '80s where it was like kind of a five-year span. But anyway, uh, yeah, all the kids. I think uh, you're all fucked. So, yep. Sorry. Um, what would you do? I, I want to say that. I would be popping stay awake pills. <laughs> yeah, you, you just become an insomniac. Um, I, I in my dream, I'd be trying to help Freddie. Like, listen, I know who did it. It's my mom. I'll tell you what. When she falls asleep, here's what we do. I got a plan. <laughs> We're gonna start crushing up small bits of glass into her gray goose vodka, <laughs> and let her die slowly from the inside. Yeah, I, I guess for me, this this sex this segment. Uh, that was developed here is really a spawn of these types of movies, Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, in a sense that I would look at these scenes and them running after these noises or, or not hiding or whatever. Uh, I would just try to figure out, oh, I'm going to go hide in that trash can or I'm going to not go in that boiler room. I'm just going to go somewhere else and try to wake myself up or just pretty much avoid a lot of what I'm seeing. Kind of like what, Scream really lays out in their yeah. movies, um, and that's why I really like love that. Uh, but how do you do that in this? No, right? You, in, right? We said in the show notes that, but you can't. You're in, you can't you're in Freddy's world. Dreams. So even if even if I did go hide, he's he's gonna get you, right? So I think yeah, maybe befriending Freddy and just be like, hey man, how can I help you? Like, what's the grudge? Like why why me or whatever? And you know, and obviously as the movies kind of go along. Um, like you said, you have the, the Dream Warriors. You have the what was the uh, five Dream Child? Dream Child. So there's ways that they develop these characters have these special powers or abilities to help fight in your dreams, which is very empowering to these people, these characters. 
which really creates more story, more societal things too, yeah. of just like empowering these people to to overcome your demons, right? So, uh, yeah, not this is this, this is kind of the the trip up of this whole category, which is that normally it's like you. I mean, I guess there's there's other movies that we're going to talk about that are probably more supernatural or psychological that you're going to be like, how can you run away from a fucking ghost, you know? But this is one that you're 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 only safe when you're awake, which is kind of yeah. very different, you know? It's like you think when you're in your sleep, you're safe, you can dream, you're comfy in your bed. It's like probably where you where in general people felt the most comfortable. Like I'm home, I'm safe in my home in my bed, sleeping, great. Now we bring you the next thing to be afraid of. You want to have... So I think this is what built anxiety for all of us in, in this generation. Freddy Krueger has created the, the ongoing anxiety yeah. for everybody is that there's no time that you're safe. Correct. <laughs> Even when you're sleeping, you're in danger. Yeah, you're in his world. So uh, let's jump to the next segment. He's your boyfriend now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will say, that phone scene, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that weird prosthetic tongue. Oh, love it. So let's just go to alternate ending. So are you considering the ending the part where um, Freddy Krueger comes out of the sheet like a sweatpant boner? Or <laughs> or are we going right to the very end in the car? No, let's go to the car scene uh, where we already alluded to the um, Nancy's mom getting stuck through the window. Uh, it's kind of a, another ending of a dream sequence. Uh, you got... Glenn, Rod, but you don't know what's Tina. real at this point, right? Like, yeah, but you got that like foggy. You got the kids singing the song. You got you got some stuff kind of going on. You got the 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 synthesizer going. You kind of know that synthesizer. Yeah, I mean, you're it. You're in dreamland, and so you're kind of like, wait a second, because she like walks out the door, and it's just like, whoa, it's it's daylight. So, uh, but then they get into this car. There's a convertible is, out front with Rod, Tina, Glenn. They're all still alive. And then like, like the, the top <laughs> the top goes on, and it's. It's a striped, a striped, striped like, like a sweater. sweater, and you oh oh my god, they're fucked. Like what's what's yeah. going on? And then the doors start locking, windows go up. Glenn's I don't know what's going on. So now all the kids are back. I, I, I got like kind of confused. Like what the hell? Where are we? Like are we in another dream? And then it just ends. Well, I and I, what I love about what I love about th- that scene, the one thing I love about it is that it. It brings it into a lot of the other movies where Freddy becomes something. You know whether he's like. You know, it's almost like a Pee Wee's Playhouse or something. It's like he's a he's an arcade machine, or he's like there's different things that he can become. Yeah. So, and you get this the the inkling that that it's Freddy because of the stripes. You know, you always see the stripes or something. And yeah. You're like, oh shit, this is Freddy. Yeah. Which is great. So, I'll give it that. But I think we both agree that the ending is pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, that last. It's only like. A minute, minute and a half, minute and it's and half, awful. Yeah. Whereas if if when the mom gets sucked back in, the scene what you're saying, right? No, no, no. I'm I'm talking through the bed, right? And, oh, then, right, and right. then she's with her father, and they're walking out, and they're yeah. like, "All right, you start getting into that safe mode." Freddy's kind of gone. We think movie should just end right there. Alternate ending. Sorry, that's it. Like, don't have that last minute and thirty seconds. Yeah, I think they could have done something more with it, but I think it just it it took too much of a roller coaster move in the last couple of seconds, you know, or like maybe instead of it going to that scene, um everything is is back to normal and Nancy says, "All right, I'm going to find the go get some sleep." And then she closes her eyes and ends there or something, you know, where 
you're like, okay, well, is he going to come back? What's going on? But instead, right, I she's, think she's already she's still sleeping, and so you don't. So I guess it's a little bit of a mind fuck, but it's it's in a way that I think it's almost like they tried to end the movie really quickly. They're like, okay, we have one day of filming, and we have to shoot this whole scene or something, and we need to finish it up. Yeah, and I think what was happening there too, Wes Craven being the genius that he is, was probably like alluding to he's, he's never gone. But I, I think he, I even read that he doesn't like that ending. I think there was something else that they were doing. and So it's probably New Line Cinema wanted to throw it in. Yeah. There's no budget left. They did all this shit to kind of say, if this does well, we're making another one. Yep. And then Wes Craven's like, I don't want to. And go see number two for yourself. Because yep. <laughs> <laughs> he did not do it. He didn't come back till part three, which is my favorite yep. of the all of the movies. And I'm looking at it. The, the, I have the poster right above your head. Awesome yep. movie. Um, all right, let's let's get into uh, the soundtrack, the score by Charles Bernstein. I'm giving it right out of the rep, ten out of ten. Yeah, it's so it's so different because I think we we talked about like how much we love American Psycho, you know, in in that soundtrack. I think that this is like all out '80s like digital score. The score. There's no there's no music, right? Right, it's just like lots of fast-paced 80s gated drum sounds, like gated reverb drum sounds. So they're like, they sound huge, but like isolated in this weird room. And then tons of synthesizers and all those parts happen when Freddy's there. So I think it turns up how fast-paced it is. Otherwise, the rest of the music in the movie, it the, the rest of the score is like, it's almost, um, it's dreamy. It's... Um, yeah. It's, they play they play to the scenes very well like the way that it yeah like like we mentioned already or I did where you know when you're in dreamland when the piano yeah. when when, it, when the synthesizer goes a little bit and just a couple couple keystrokes and you're off because the the music itself and and oh, forgive me if I'm getting too pretentious here but it feels unresolved and I think that's kind of like how it plays with the movie it's like it's almost like these chord structures and these patterns and melodies they don't resolve it's like do 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 and you're like um yeah ominous creepy and it, it, yeah just and it reminds me of two things which one came before one came uh. after but Number one is if you are a punk rock fan and you're an Elm Street punk like I was, um, uh, Dead Kennedys. So um, band out of the late 70s um, from you know San Francisco area. They have a song called When You Get Drafted. And it's, you know, this political song, but there's a guitar solo in it that is like super chorusy and it just has that same kind of chord structure pattern where it's like it's eerie and creepy and it reminds me very much of like maybe some of the inspiration for this film because it feels it just feels creepy which i think that's what music can do it can really move you in, in a certain way and i feel like this does that tenfold because it's got this like element of dreaminess unresolved kind of music that happens and then it goes into the 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 Freddy scenes that are like fast, like I said, fast paced, very drum drum heavy, almost like early techno in a way. Yeah. Um, but with lots of synthesizers. And I think when you go to things now like Stranger Things or something, which yeah. are set in the eighties and they've got these great soundtracks, it's like to me, a lot of it reminds me of this this soundtrack. 
like that fast paced. There's a fucking Demogorgon after us or something, and yeah, it ju- it's just cool. You could be looking away and 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 just listening, and you understand something's not right here. We're going into like the scene because even when Freddy then starts to attack, like I think you already mentioned this, where it starts to pick up okay. other other drum like the percussion. It, it just you know. Oh shit's getting real again. You know, like it's getting nasty and he and he's getting very physical. The best way I can describe it to me, it's like the ominous version of Beverly Hills Cop score. Ah uh, yeah. Great. Right. It, it was just an eighties thing. It just like every time there was a scene where there was like a car chase or something, yeah. like, you know, Axel Foley came up with the next uh thing that was gonna happen, like it would play this this score and yeah. that's what this reminds me of yeah. is that it, it just does it in a dark ominous way it's like freddie's theme song in a way right and and it was a recipe john carpenter did it with uh michael myers and even with jason Voorhees, he had his own little soundtrack right so charles bernstein just kind of took it to another level and really used this 80s synthesizer uh and kind of just stayed in that window there was no other really music happening. Not until later movies they started introducing music, you're, bands, and whatever. You're and, forgetting the most important music in the movie, though. It happens in the first two minutes of the movie. One, two, Freddy's right. coming for you. So the it's jump a rope nurse, song, a nursery rhyme. Yeah, it's just it. You you actually listen. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Okay, I don't know who Freddy is. Maybe he's got ice cream. Who knows? Yeah. Three, four. Better lock your door. Okay, maybe he's not a nice guy. <laughs> Five, six, grab your crucifix. Oh, shit. Okay, is he demonic? Is he the yeah, devil? What's that going to do? Uh, what is the crucifix going to do? It's not going to keep me from sleeping. Um, where was I? Five, seven, six, eight. Seven, eight. Better gonna stay. stay up late. Better stay up late? Going to stay up late. I think it's going to stay up late. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm I'm game. I got my doors locked. I'll, <laughs> I'll stay up. What are we watching? Yeah. <laughs> Nine, ten. Never sleep again. <laughs> Those are my. That's all I can do. <laughs> or, or you're sleeping forever. <laughs> you're true. Eternal slumber. You're always sleeping. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think uh, that's one that I think sticks with you. You know, like if I if I ever saw like three girls uh, at a playground singing that song, I would fucking run. I'm just gonna say it. Yes. I have not had that nightmare before. Where. <laughs> I actually girls um, singing a uh, Freddy nursery rhyme. I'll say so. Um, I usually don't decorate a ton for Halloween, and I know God forbid um, I'm a horror fan, and I don't go to fucking TJ Maxx and buy every pumpkin that's there. But I don't decorate a lot for Halloween. But I like to play music on the porch when kids come up for trick or treating, and I one? spend I spend my money on full bars. Okay, just so you know, I'm not stingy with the kids. Oh, I'm getting full bars. I'm coming. I'm coming yeah, this year. <laughs> <laughs> I get the full bars for the kids, all right? That's why I'm not decorating. But I'll play music, and I usually create like a little bit of a soundtrack. And, of course, you do some kitschy stuff on there, like Monster Mash, maybe Thriller. But I usually always do the Halloween theme. Oh, yeah. um, and then there's a clip of the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And I often will put that on the playlist. And it's just this like weird, creepy these monotone droning yeah. girls sing. It's almost like you think of it as like the um, the twins from The Shining or something. It's like they're singing this. Yeah, and that and that has played that that continues on. That that nursery rhyme goes through every movie, pretty much, 
and so does the piano or the synthesizer. It's like it's always there. It's an element that they kept, and now it's part of the package. Yeah, but I don't think that Charles did any of the other score. I think he only scored the first the first film. Yeah, I think they were just using that. that They're like, we got the recipe though. We know what we're gonna do. We we'll go a different direction by finding someone different, but we're gonna basically steal a shit. <laughs> yes. Uh. Anything else on the on the soundtrack? What would what would you rate it? Oh, it's a ten. I mean, it's great. It's just it. It's. I think they're all in that pantheon, kind of like what we said. Like when you're t- talking about a, a rush more of of of, uh, of um, slashers. I mean, this each slasher has its like like entrance music, like in wrestling, right? So this is Freddy's. Not only does he have a nursery rhyme, he also has this like synthesizer. Like Jason has his. Um, which like a it's like a sample of of kill for mother ma 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 yeah and then you have carpenter with Michael Myers so if you got if you I don't know who the fourth guy is or the fourth or the fourth girl or whatever like what the next soundtrack is but Charles Bernstein I, I just when you think of Freddie you think of this if you and now we're just putting you with a name of who this guy is and you know does does he go on he's a he's a he's He's pretty artistic, right? I mean, you 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 yeah. saw his IMBD. It's kind of like he did a couple other movies and yeah. Uh, but he, you know, Quentin Tarantino films. I think he got into, but he's well, he did, poetic. He did the Entity. He did Cujo, April Fool's Day. He did other horror movies in yeah. that same around that same time, which I think is when when they were pitching this movie. I think his his manager or something was like you know pushing him towards going for this project and um i think he said he really liked working with 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 west craven because west craven's like like here's some leeway do what you want to do you yeah. know and i think i thought that was great because i think it meshed well and maybe if west craven had this perfect music idea in his mind it wouldn't have sat as well as the music that was created for the film did so yeah so again this was a very fun rewatch for us Definitely. Um, it's been a while. We recommend it wholeheartedly. We're going to do other Nightmare on Elm Streets for sure. So this is just the tip of the iceberg for this. Uh, it did get 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, I noticed. Damn. So even to this day, it's holding up. And it's an OG classic. So it's like, go out. After this pod, go watch. It's great. Yeah, it was free on HBO, and they took it off yesterday. Yes. Right, I was looking for. It. I was like, I had to. It was funny. I had to go get my Blu-ray player from the basement because it's like in storage. <laughs> I had to like plug it in with the HDMI cables and then put the movie on. Oh man, it was just like what a clusterfuck. I was gonna say I have I have the box set on Blu-ray, but I don't want to open it yet. So I was like, I'll just pay two ninety nine and get it on him. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, 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 good for you. I just don't want to open it yet. I was like, I because I feel like when the last time I I remember watching the whole series together was on VHS. It wasn't that long ago. I just, I mean, when you think about it now, like 2008 or something like was a long yeah. time ago to some degree, but that's the last time I watched the whole franchise kind of back to back to back. I, I watched bits and pieces of the movies here and there, but watching the whole thing was, um, I had a VHS box set that came with 3d glasses. Oh, nice. <laughs> so those ones, uh nope. <laughs> no, it came with a different pair, but um I I did buy a massive pack of them cuz apparently if you want to buy 3D glasses now, you have to buy an pack of like 200. Oh jeez. You can't get like 10. 
so we're going to probably end this show here. I, uh, I want to make sure I give a shout out to one of our loyal listeners. Uh, he has a podcast. It's called the just saying podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Ringo Mandingo, very funny show. Um, he also has another failure to launch. I just want to send some, some love out his way. He listens and uh, I definitely want to give him a shout out. All you other guys, you know, yeah, all, all you other guys who listen, thank you very much. Uh, Joey, th- this this podcast uh, was dedicated to you. Uh, it's 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 Nightmare on Elm Street. You are the one that got me into this uh, this franchise for sure. And and my 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 brother definitely has, uh, it, I guess, a, a very love for like Freddie and what he was all about, his charisma and yeah. like you know he he really loved the character. So uh, shout out to shout out to you. And uh, what about your podcast? Your uh, the one that you've got going on. Um, yeah, you can follow the 413 podcast. Yeah. We talk about nostalgia and wrestling and video games and movies and music. Yeah, so. it's like, you know, a bunch of guys getting together. Sometimes it's sometimes like drink a nerd, too nerd, much. nerd culture a little <laughs> bit and also some punk rock music, right? Yeah, and you get to hear us fight a lot. So that's the. Yeah, that's it's fun. It's entertaining. It. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And uh, one of these days, I think my other podcast will get going again uh it's go time uh you can find that on spotify as well so um i want to pitch a movie for next week oh please do and we can always cut it out if we don't like it but <laughs> it's okay when i was going through i wanted to look at like some of the top horror villains of all time that either were talkers or silent just i wanted to like kind of see the full list to see kind of where some of it began and one movie that i haven't seen before but was getting a lot of uh cred on here that looked pretty um like grindhouse style mm-hmm. and maybe you've seen it but terrifier no it looks like a really like maniacal mime or kind of clown that i guess terrorizes these people on halloween and it looks very dark and fucked up and <laughs> I think it'd be great if where we can we find it. Where can we find it and watch it? I don't know, and I don't care. We're gonna find okay. it. Okay. If we have to rent it and watch it together, we're gonna rent it. We'll go to Blockbuster. <laughs> there is a Blockbuster. Was it Bend, Oregon? Oh, okay. There's a Netflix show about it. It's like a oh, whole yeah. documentary on right, Bend. Right. On yeah, the last Blockbuster. I think that's what it's called. I saw it maybe like during. During the lockdown, I was just like, oh, we're going to watch this. It was great. <laughs> um, how do you get there on the Oregon Trail? Or <laughs> I don't, Yeah, I don't know where Bend, Oregon Oregon is. But uh, yeah, it's out there. I think it's still thriving. So, All right, everyone. Well, appreciate the listen. I hope you go and check, check out the movie again. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Sounds good. Peace out. Peace. Yeah.